Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Charles Neiman, Senior Pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. Good to have you. Good to be with you tonight. So good to be joining you live stream or whatever they call it. I don't know. I just know I'm here and I'm there and I'm happy about it. Amen. Amen. You know, all my life I've wanted there to be more of me. And God has finally made it happen. How about that? Amen. It's hard to be humble when you're from Texas and all the Texans said, Amen. All right. Are you ready to get in the Word tonight? If you have your Bible with you here on the west side, open your Bible up with me tonight to the Gospel of Luke, the 18th chapter. I want us to go back to our foundation text in this incredible series that we're in. I, I, am, I am inspiring myself so much in this series, looking at these scriptures, studying them, listening to all this, looking at it. It's just ignited a fire in me, or actually it hasn't ignited, it's thrown gasoline on my fire, all right? And it all, this has been our foundation text. As you can tell behind me tonight uh, on the big screen, the, the name of the series is Burn the White Flag. All right, and where did we get that? Where did we come up with that? Is it just cute? Is it a nice thing? It's actually a scriptural thought. Here in Luke 18, verse 1, Jesus spoke a parable unto them to this end or to this purpose or for this end result, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So he brings out to me, the way I look at this, is two great truths for life. I want to remind you again tonight, all right? I'm kind of on this, and I, think, I don't know how long I'm going to be on it, but I'm kind of on this, right? And what I'm on is, is that I, I want you to, whenever you think of the Bible and you think of the Word of God, I want you to think of it, I believe, the way God intends it. This book, this, the words written in this book that we call the Bible are God's wisdom for life on earth. And that everything that is in here, the do's and the don'ts, are here to make your life better. Now, the Bible said his commandments, his instructions, his, his wisdom is not grievous. All right, God does not give us his word to give us grief, to make our lives worse. Now, there's a conflict oftentimes in our flesh, or what the world tells us, that God doesn't get it, that you know God's old-fashioned. That, you know, society has changed and, you know, we don't think that way anymore. Okay, well, you don't think that way, but the end result is still the same. Right? Dumb choices still produce ugly results. No matter how you wrap it in what kind of societal wisdom or, or acceptance, it still produces lousy results. All right? So everything in this book is given to us to let us know how life works at its best level and that for us to take that wisdom and do it because then our lives will get better. How many of you have found that to be true, right? So here Jesus says that he wants us to understand that there's two components that he's talking about in this, in this parable that are important. Number one, that prayer is a regular part of your life. That prayer is a regular part of your life. That you don't just pray when you have to. You know, I was, I was talking today and, and I made this statement, and I said, you know, uh, what kind of marriage would you have if you only talked to each other when you had exhausted every other option? Or you only talked to each other in a formal setting because you had to. Oh, we're at church, we have to pray. What kind of marriage would you have? Some of you know. 
not very good. So prayer is communication with God. It's not just telling God what you need or what you want or what you don't like. It's communicating. It's talking. I mean, my wife lives 8,000 miles away from me. We spend at least two hours a day talking to each other on the phone. All right? I probably talk to my wife who lives 8,000 miles. Okay, moving right along. All right? More than many of you talk to your spouse who lives in the same house. Okay? But that is the foundation of our relationship. All right? Our relationship was built talking on the phone. We fell in love with each other talking on the phone. I had never held her hand. We fell in love talking on the phone. And so we maintained that. Some, a lot of you ladies are going, oh. <laughs> I know. It's like a Hallmark movie, isn't it? Amen. <laughs> All right? Amen. I'm not saying it's what I would have chosen. I'm just saying that's the way it worked, okay? And uh, she'll be watching this tomorrow and turn bright red. Okay, so here we go. And then he says, and not to faint. So we've been focusing on this not fainting part. The term not to faint there means that you turn out to be a coward. So Jesus said, I don't want you to turn out to be a coward. It means to lose your courage. You know, you can't lose something unless you had it. So you can have courage and lose courage. He's warning you not to let yourself lose your courage. To be slothful in duty, to lose soul or heart, to grow weary. In the literal text, Jesus said, I don't want you to throw in the towel. I don't want you to wave the white flag. Amen. All right? Now, I've said to you in all of our studies up to this point, I've said to you again tonight, white flag always represents surrender or the desire for a truce. No army or navy anywhere in the world goes to war or goes to battle or goes to deployment carrying a white flag. It is never a part of their planning for the future. So we've been talking about this warning here to us, all right? Now, uh, I, I want to, let me, let me move over here to the new notes, right? Now, the last time we were together, we talked about, about uh, um, you know, things that go on in our lives and things that happen to us and, you know, how Satan tries to get us to, to grow wearied and faint in our minds. So let's go back to Hebrews 12 and let's look at that verse once again, all right? I want us to get all of our thoughts together, okay, so we know what we're about and what we're focusing on. Hebrews 12, all right, just, let's just for the sake of time, go with me down to verse 3. For consider him, Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Now, there's that word faint again, all right? Now, it's got a little different meaning here. It carries the same meanings that we looked at just a second ago. But here he talks about being wearied and faint. Let me remind you once again. The word wearied means you're faint-hearted. You're faint-hearted, so your heart begins to get weak. The word faint means weak, feeble. It means to have it badly, to have it badly, to grow impatient or dissatisfied, to grow impatient or dissatisfied. It means to crumble or to break down. Okay, so here we're told not to let these things happen to us, right? In addition to what we've already looked at, all right? Then he said to faint. The word faint here means to cease to be able again, again. You cannot cease to be able unless you were able. All right, so there is an attempt applied to us as children of God to get us to embrace that we are not able. 
Now, let me just stop there with you for a second, and let me just remind you tonight, right, that, that, that Satan wants to try to get us to move in this direction to where we are held up and we are stopped, right, because we, we, begin, we begin to think that we are unable, right? It also means to have it badly, to, to, um, excuse me, to cease to be able. Uh, the antonym is to be of good courage, to be bold. It also means to become a coward. So Jesus does not want us to become a coward. It's not like we're born cowards, but we can become cowards, right? And we looked at things in Scripture that cause us to go weird and faint in our mind. We looked at those last time. Rumors, right? Uh, Ezekiel is very clear about, I mean, Jeremiah is very clear about rumors. You know, this year's a rumor, next year's a rumor, the next year's a rumor. There's always a new rumor in the land. We have to watch out for that, all right? And so it's interesting, right? Are you ready to get in the new stuff now? Okay. And so it's interesting to me as we look at these thoughts and, we, and we, we, we pay attention to what he's saying here, right? To cease to be able. The antonym is to be of good courage. To have courage. Right? Now we are able because the Bible says we are able. We looked at it last time, right? In Corinthians. Paul said, when I'm weak, I'm strong. The word strong means I'm strong, I'm able, and I can so it's so important that we focus on who we are and what we are in Christ. Not who we are and what we are coming out of the family we were born in, or who we are and what we are coming out of the experience of our life, or who we are and what we are because of what somebody says we are, but who are we and what are we in Christ as children of God. Do you see yourself as a child of God? I said, do you see yourself as a child of God? I see myself as a child of God more than I see myself as any other thing I could be labeled. I see myself more as a child. There was a time in my life when I saw myself as a child of God like third or fourth option. But now I see myself as a child of God first. And so my choices, my decisions, my attitudes, the way I walk, the way I prioritize, the way I live, the way I think, the way I act is all influenced by the reality that first and foremost... I am a child of God. First and foremost, I am a child of God. I am in this world, but I am not of this world. Amen? The world does not generate my emotions or my likes or my dislikes. I am in it, but I'm not of it. How many of you are with me so far? Amen? All right? Now, look at this point here. How can it be that we cease to be able? I wrote this down in my notes. So I was able, and now I cease to be able. I had courage... But now I have become a coward. I had courage, but now I have become discouraged. So how does that happen to people? How does this happen to us? Here we are warned not to let it happen. So the fact that we are warned not to let it happen proves to us that it can happen. So then I want to be on guard. How many of you want to be on guard? I want to be armed with knowledge. I want to know how this happens. How does Satan bring this to pass in my life. When the Bible says, and I remind you again in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, that, that Paul said, I am strong. I am strong. And the word strong means I am strong, I am able, and I, I can. Say it with me. I am strong. I am able. I can. Amen. I didn't hear you people on the west side. Next time you have to speak up louder, all right? So, uh, you know, how... 
How can this happen? How do we move from I'm strong, I'm able, I'm can to I'm not able? I cease to be able. Listen to the definition again. It's quite powerful, isn't it? To cease to be able. So I was able, but I've ceased to be able. I was. I had courage, but now I don't have it anymore. So what moves us from able to unable, courage to discouraged? How does this happen to people? Hmm? What happens that causes us, as men and women, as children of God, to lose our courage, to wave the white flag, to cease to be able, to become a coward? Ooh, I hate that. To lose courage. What causes us to lose our grit? Hmm? Right? The synonym for, I mean, the, for, for these things is grit, right? Perseverance. In Ephesians 6, he says for us to pray with all perseverance. And the synonym for perseverance is grit, guts. What happens to us? What moves us? What causes us to lose that sense of, can I hear a good amen? amen? Right? We're going along and then, pfft. we see it happen, don't we? We, 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 we? we see it happen. I've seen it. I've seen that temptation come to me more times than I care to think about. Right? That temptation to quit. That temptation to give up. That temptation to throw in the towel. That temptation to take this shirt I have on, put it on a stick and wave it. Uh, wave the white flag. So how does that happen? How is it that we can be doing so well and then six months later or six minutes later? How can this happen to us? It's quite a thought when you think about it, isn't it? When you listen to the definition, listen to it again. To cease to be able. Well, you can't cease unless you were. You were able. You were doing it. You were getting there. You were living it. You were moving towards your goal, your dream, your vision. You were moving that way. You were living the life the way God wanted you to live. What happened? What happened? And we want to know so we don't let it happen again. Amen? To where we don't fall into that trap again. To where it doesn't affect us again. All right? I know I'm spending a lot of time on this because I'm, I'm about to take you into an amazing truth that I want you to see. And I really want your heart to be open and to be ready and looking and ready to soak it in. How many of you are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, huh? The Bible said if you are, then you will be filled. Okay, so I've jotted down a couple of things. We'll go through. I've got three things here I want to point out to you. And the third one we're going to spend a lot of time on. Are you ready? These are three things that I found in the Bible that cause people to lose courage, that cause people to cease to be able, that cause people to become cowards. All right, the first one is found in John 16, verse 33. Jesus said, in this world, you will have temptations, tests, and trials. Have courage. Have courage. 
So clearly there, he's telling us that temptations, tests, and trials come. And their goal is, is to cause us to lose our courage, to become discouraged, to lose our courage. Temptations, tests, and trials. Temptations are not fun. Tests and trials are not fun. Can I hear a good amen tonight? Right? Nothing fun about going through a test or a trial. Nothing fun about them. Right? And they're not designed to bring you fun. They're designed to bring you down. They're designed to get you to wave the white flag. They're designed to get you to give up. They're designed to get you to start thinking, I can't, I can't take this. I can't get through this. This is, this is too hard. This is too difficult. Where's God when I need him the most? Well, he's where he's, where he's always been. God didn't leave anywhere. You know, when trouble comes to your front door, the Lord doesn't go out your back door. Right? In Psalm 23, right, probably the most part, famous scripture in the world, he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Amen. Right? So when, when the psalmist went through the valley of the shadow of death, God didn't say, Oh, wait a minute, I can do a lot of things, but I'm not walking through there. That's the valley of the shadow of death. Now, if you find another path, I'll meet you over there, but I'm not going through that. If you're going through, you got to go through. No, he said, you are with me. Right? Come on, say a good amen to that. Right? So, you know, so temptations, tests, and trials come, right, to get us to lose our courage, to lose our courage. Right? You know, one of the most fascinating verses of Scripture or sets of Scriptures you'll ever read you know, let's go look at it real quick. All right, we got, we got time, I think. I, I can make time here. Go with me to the book of Joshua. Let me point something out to you here. Joshua chapter 1. Are you glad you came tonight? Yeah. Joshua chapter 1, right? Uh, uh, there's the first five books, and Joshua's the sixth book of the Old Testament, okay? Joshua chapter 1. Now, if you don't know the setting, I'm going to summarize it for you while you're turning there. Moses has died, and now the nation of Israel has come to the promised land, and they're about to go into the promised land, okay? We're going to pick up on this very thought in just a minute. Okay, this very incident. So they're about to go into the promised land. And so God comes to Joshua and says, okay, you're here. Tomorrow, you're going to take the people in. Now, Joshua's wanted to go in for over 40 years, right? So Joshua doesn't need a lot of encouragement to go. He's ready. All right, he and Caleb are like, what took us so long? Let's go. All right, so now they're, at the, they're, 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 they're on this side of the Jordan River. They got to cross over. So God begins to speak to Joshua, and look what Joshua says. I mean, look, look what the Lord says to Joshua. Look at verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous. All right? Look at verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? All right? And then, I, I think God has, has got his point across to Joshua, right? He's going to need to be strong and good courage. Now, you know, I taught you this past Sunday on the teaching on faith, that the word, one of the definitions of the word strong means is that you, 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 you clearly declare who you are in the Lord. And it also means that those that are strong are those that continue to insist on things. Right? So he's saying to him here, I want you to be insistent or perseverant as you go into the land. I want you to be strong and of good courage. Why would he tell him that? Because waiting for him in that land are 31 armed cities ruled by 31 powerful kings that he is going to have to overcome. All right, the promised land is not just there for the taking. It is, a, it is a place that is inhabited, and the people that dwell there are powerful. So he's telling him, okay, I promise to give you the land, now go get it. 
Man, that should speak to us, right? Oftentimes, the promise of God is given to us, and yet you're going to have to conquer some stuff to enjoy it in your life. I'll wait for you. Not all the time, but oftentimes. And some of them are easier to conquer. Some of them are harder to conquer. Some of these cities, they conquer like a nothing flat. Some of them are pretty tough. Takes them a while. But they do conquer them, right? And he's telling them, don't think because you're going to face these kings, these things you got to conquer. Don't think, right? Don't allow yourself to, ah, we can't take them. Because that's what those other boys thought that kept you out here in the wilderness. So you need to think, we can, we are, we can, we are, we can, we are. And don't forget that I'm with you. All right? That I'm here and I'm going to make, I'm going to help you. I'm going to empower you. Okay? Are you with me so far? All right. Now, Matthew chapter 14. This is the story of Peter. How many of you heard, remember the story of Peter walking on the water, right? So he sees Jesus says, if it's you, bid me come. Jesus says, come. He gets out of the boat. He walks on the water. Then the Bible says, when he saw the wind boisterous, he became afraid. When he saw the wind boisterous, he became afraid. All right, so what did he see? What, did, what was the wind doing? The wind was blowing the waves. So look what, it, look, look what, look what caused him to lose his courage. So, Pastor, how do you know he lost his courage? Because Jesus then takes him by his hand and says, be of good cheer. And what he literally said to him was, what happened to your courage? Get your courage back. What happened to your courage? And then he asked him, so what, what causes us to, 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 to lose it? What causes us to become cowards? What causes us to become discouraged? You can say this, number one, the wind. The wind. Okay? We live in a world where there's all kinds of winds blowing at us all the time. All kinds of stuff, right? All kinds of winds blowing at you all the time. All kinds of winds. Winds of fear, winds of doubt, winds of skepticism, winds of this, winds of that, winds of this. Can I hear a good amen tonight, right? All kinds of wind blowing. Right? There's also waves, right? Waves slapping up against our, our lives, right? The water slapping up against us. The, 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 the storms of life hitting up against our lives, hitting up against our houses, right? Jesus was very clear about that in Matthew chapter 7. And then the third thing in this story we learned from, from Peter is that he took the second opinion. Jesus said, why did you doubt? The word doubt there means, why did you take the second opinion? The first opinion was come, right? The second opinion was, you can't walk on water. And he was walking on water. So he was able and ceased to be able. Do you see it? He was able. He was doing it. But then suddenly, I can't do this. You were doing it. Hmm? Any of you raised kids? Have you ever had that moment with your kids, right? Right? Well, they're sitting there doing something, and then they just throw up their hands. I can't do this. You were doing it. I can't do this. It's a weird moment. Am I the only parent that ever had that moment? Thank you. I appreciate that. All right? I mean, it's a weird moment. I can't do this. You were doing it. No, I wasn't. You know, when I was in college, I taught. I, I, one summer, I, I worked at a, a pool as a lifeguard, and I taught little kids how to swim. And, 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 and it was hilarious, okay? And uh, a lot of these kids, they would literally be swimming. I would have them swimming. They would be swimming. Swimming, right? And I remember one mother in particular who was just a bundle of joy. Uh, 
and I, and I had this kid swimming. I, I, I still wonder what, how that poor kid turned out. I had him swimming, and he's swimming across the pool, and I actually took him into the deep end, and I had him swimming back and forth across the deep end, right? And she comes in and goes, oh, my God, you can't swim in the deep end. And he goes, bloop, 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 and I had to jump in and pull the kid out. He was swimming. So we went from able to unable because he took the second opinion. All right? So you got to be careful with that. Amen? Now, if you've got your Bible, have you learned anything good so far? Are you happy now? If you're happy with that, you're going to love this, what I'm going to give you now. All right? Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. I want to show you something here. This has helped me so much in my life. Helped me so much in my life. I've shared it with our staff before. I don't think I've ever shared it here in the main, in the main sanctuary. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Now, this is very interesting because this is a, an additional account of the nation of Israel when they came to the promised land, the original bunch, right? Not the bunch that we just read about with Joshua. These were their, those, those kids' parents, right? And they've come to the promised land. They've sent in the 12, the 12 spies. Forty days later, they come out of the promised land, all right? And the, the, ten, the ten brought up an evil report of the land. You remember that, right? They said, very interesting what they said, right? They said, we be not able. It's literally what they said. We, we, we be not able. We be not able to go. We, we be not able. No, no, we're not able. No, 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 no. We, 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 we can't go in there. We, we, we can't take that land. All right? So they were able, and then they became not able. Why? What happened to them? What happened to them? So we have this account. and this account, they give us a little more insight. Right? Moses is rehearsing this with, with those people's children. Look down with me to verse 27. And you murmured in your hearts and said, Because the Lord hated us, he has brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Oh, that's, that's a crazy set of reasoning, right? If he wanted you to be destroyed, he'd have just left you in Egypt. The Egyptians were doing a good job of that. He didn't have to go through all that ten plagues and all that Red Sea and all that good stuff. Didn't have to go through any of that. Could have just left you in Egypt if he wanted you to destroy it. Right? But here's the powerful part. And whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart. Our brethren have discouraged our heart. Our brethren have discouraged our heart. Did you see that? All right, so they had courage. Come on, they came out of the promised land. They crossed the Red Sea. They had crossed the wilderness. Amen? They had courage. Let's make no mistake that these men and women at one time had courage. But now they said they became discouraged. And what discouraged them? Read, listen, and learn for our lives. Amen? What discouraged them? They did not discourage themselves. They said the brethren discouraged them. What brethren? The ten out of the twelve spies discouraged this nation. Now I want you to see, I want you to look at this. This is startling the power of discouragement. And why we need to be on guard against it. Ten leaders, mark that if you're taking notes, ten 
leaders, not just 10 men, 10 leaders. Because the other men that went with Joshua and Caleb were leaders. Every man was picked from the tribe, right, from one of the 12 tribes. These were leaders in their tribes. Amen. And so they went in and they came out. And when they came out, they said, the people are too strong. We can't do it. We're not able. And the people listened. And it says that those leaders discouraged their hearts, right? So the first thing I want to say to you tonight, and I, th- I know you probably already figured it out, you got to be careful who you're letting lead you. you got to be really careful who your leaders are in your life. Who is leading you? Leaders can discourage you, and leaders have more influence in your life than other people do. So you have to be careful who you're letting let lead you. Second thing I want to point out to you, discouragement, get ready, is highly contagious. It can jump from one person to another. Whoo! Man, have you ever walked into a room and you were feeling great and you left five minutes later and you're like, ready, Jesus, please come. Please come tonight. Please, please. Life is horrible. Life is horrible. Right? And 20 minutes before, you were ready. You were ready. You were living the abundant life. And now it's like life is horrible. Why? Because you went into a room full of discouragement, and that discouragement is contagious. It can jump from person to person. Look at it. It said, our brethren discouraged our hearts. So they, they had courage, but when they got done with the 10 guys, and the 10 guys got done with they were discouraged. Write this down. It's amazing to me that 10 discouraged leaders could turn the hearts of two million people. What are the ratios to that? Hmm? What is that? One to every 200,000? Huh? So one discouraged leader turned, and listen to this. This will even get you more. Those 10 discouraged leaders, three of the greatest leaders the world has ever known, Joshua, Caleb and Moses could not overcome the 10 discouraged leaders and the impact they had on the people. That's amazing, right? Because you would think Moses, Joshua, and Caleb could overcome any bad leadership. Not, they couldn't even overcome that bad leadership, that discouraged leadership. Are you learning anything tonight? So we got to be really careful, right? we got to watch out for discouragement. You know, i got to say this, right? You know that the parents of these people learned they learned and they corrected themselves, the parents of these children that are going in. Because you know when Joshua comes, you don't hear any of this negativity. You don't hear any of this discouragement. The people look at Joshua and Joshua 1 and say, you know what? There's two things we ask of you. Number one, that God be with you like he was Moses. And number two, you be strong and of good courage. And they said, let's go up at once. And they left that day. They went down to the Jordan River and they went across and they came to Jericho. And seven days later, Jericho was theirs. Right? I mean, they just got after it. There was never any of this stuff that the parents... You know what that says to me? The parents learned and corrected themselves and did not pass their mistake down to their children. Can I just tell you what I said to myself when I wrote this down? Can I just tell you what I wrote down? I wrote down here in my notes for myself. Right? These parents corrected themselves and taught their children right. Charles, don't pass stupid down.
Amen? Don't pass it down. Remember the second law of life? The, fruit, the seed is in the fruit to keep producing the same fruit. So if you don't want your kids to produce, eat, produce the same fruit, quit serving that fruit up in your house. Don't let that seed get in them. Amen? Change. All right? Now, write this down. Are you glad you came? It's good teaching, huh? Amen? Look at this. Right? What is discouragement? Here's the, here's the, here's the literal Hebrew definition. It means, number one, their hearts melted. Our hearts melted. Number two, we lost our courage. Okay? Listen to this. It means breaking up. Our hearts broke up. That sounds a lot like wearied, right? The definition of the word wearied in Hebrews is to break down. So our hearts began to break up. But listen to this. This is powerful, right? Our hearts broke up. Our hearts turned to water. Our hearts turned to water. Okay, I'm just going to read my notes to you because I want to make sure you get this. All right? Our hearts turned to water. When I saw this years ago, I wrote this down, and I asked myself, Charles, what are the, that, that, that thought, my heart turned to water, really jumped out at me. What are the characteristics of water, right? The first thing I thought of is that water freezes. So I've got to be really careful in my life that I don't let my heart grow cold. Hmm? And it's easy to do. Jesus warned us about it. He said in the last days, men's hearts will grow cold. Because of stuff that's going on in the earth. You know, you can, get, you can get cold. You can be a child of God and be cold-hearted. Nothing moves you anymore. Ah, you know, I go to church. I don't get anything out of it. You're discouraged. No, I'm telling you. I'm trying to help you tonight. Discouragement has gone into your heart. Right? Now, I'm not giving it that backpack offer. You've got to be kidding me. You can give nothing to those kids. You're discouraged. Your heart's gotten cold. Hmm? What's another characteristic of, of water? It evaporates. It evaporates. You know, you can just feel the courage just kind of like seeping up out of your heart. Huh? Write this one down. You know another character of water? It boils. You know what I thought today? I thought, you know what? I think a lot of these people that are angry all the time, you know what their real problem is? They're discouraged. They're discouraged. And it's manifesting in uncontrolled anger. Or just boiling, simmering anger all the time. They're just angry all the time. They control it, but they're just angry all the time. You're discouraged. Are you learning anything tonight? Hmm? It's a good thought, huh? You know what else it does? Water always seeks the lowest level. Get ready. Water always takes the path of least resistance. It always takes the path of least resistance. Next time you're flying somewhere and you fly over a river, look at it, right? And they, they're like this. Hmm? They're not doing that to be picturesque. Rivers do that. I mean, there are rivers that to travel a quarter of a mile as the crow flies, they travel a mile. Why do they do that? Just to be complicated and difficult? No, they're just following the path of least resistance. The path of least resistance many times in life does not get you to where you want to go faster. It actually takes longer. And that's the nature of water. When you, if you find in your heart, get ready now, if you find in your life that you're, that you're starting to just take the path of least resistance, that's a sign of discouragement, right? Discouragement is crept into your heart, all right? So here we go. 
Hmm? Some questions. I wrote these down. What are you settling for? What are you settling for? You know, in this leadership book I read, uh, written by the Navy SEALs, and one of the things they, they, they ask is, or they state is, in life, it's not what you preach, it's what you, it's what you tolerate. It's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate. You know? So what are you settling for? Here's the vocabulary of a discouraged heart. Here's some of the signs, right? That's good enough. Well, it wasn't good enough. For five years, that wasn't good enough, but now it's good enough. For five years, this wasn't good enough, but now it's good enough. You're discouraged. I'm not picking on you. I'm trying to help you. How many of you understand where I'm coming from tonight? Ron, try, trying, to get, trying to arm you, trying to, trying to put weapons in your, in, your, in your armory. All right? That's good enough. How about this one? I just don't care anymore. You did care. You know what's happened to you? Your, water, your heart's turned into water. You're taking the path. I don't care anymore. That white flag is coming out of the drawer. I'm not picking on you, trying to help you, right? That, that, that's just no longer important to me. Wow. Well, it once was important to you. Why did you go from able to cease to be able? You used to, it used to be important, but now it's not important. Hmm? It's not important to me now. It used to matter to me that my wife was happy when I came home, but now it's not important to me whether she is or she isn't. Hmm? It's not worth the effort. Well, it used to be worth the effort, but now it's not worth the effort. You're discouraged. You're discouraged. Here's one. Who cares? Well, you used to care. Your family used to care. Who cares? Here's one. Whatever. You hear that one a lot. Whatever. Honey, I, whatever. That's the voice of a discouraged heart. Discouragement has crept in. Hmm? Are you learning anything? It's good, huh? It's not worth the fight. I'm going to quit pushing so hard. All the words that could be summarized with, it used to be important to me. I used to be after it. I used to be pushing for it. Now I'm not able. You were able, but you ceased to be able. Because Satan has come in and discouraged your heart. Now we all have reasons to be discouraged. Everyone does. I have been discouraged. But thank God I did not stay discouraged. Amen. Right? So if you realize it's in your life and you find yourself settling and you find yourself putting up with things that you thought you would never settle for, never put up in life, don't, don't, don't just surrender to it. Take the white flag and burn it. Amen? Amen? A couple more questions, a couple more thoughts and we're done. So, huh? When I, when I was looking at this, I thought, you know, this is very important. And I know it's very important to you. This is Wednesday night. Amen. What are you teaching and leaving your kids? 
What is the legacy that they're going to learn from you? When the going gets tough, we get out the white flag. Hmm? I hope not. No. If we're going to get a white flag out in the house, let's take it out in the backyard and burn that thing now. Amen? Did you learn some things tonight? West Side, did you learn some things tonight? Good deal. Stand to your feet with me, please. Look at me. It's 820. Ooh, you got time to go out to the food trucks. Amen. Lift your hands towards heaven. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I honor you and thank you tonight for your word, for the power of it, the substance of it, the absolute genius of your word. Lord, we have come here tonight. It's like we took a university class in life. I mean, we, have, we are so equipped. We thank you for the power of your word and that our faith has risen to meet that word tonight. We are not quitters. We are not settlers. We are pioneers. Hallelujah. Amen. And I pray tonight, Lord, that your children, though they may have given up on some things, life isn't over. You've always got a new plan for them. You've always got a new opportunity for them. You still have a purpose. You still have a hope in the future for them. And I pray that tonight and beginning tonight and starting tonight and in the weeks to come that you're going to rebirth new things, new ideas, new thoughts, new, new hopes, new dreams, new things to pursue. Whether it's a, a house or it's a better relationship in their home or it's a closer walk with you or it's, or it's, or it's putting their kids in, a, in our school or whatever it is. Now, I'm not going to say their dream is wrong. That's between you and them. But I believe tonight, Lord, that you will ignite something or some things in all of us to where when we wake up in the morning, we've got grit. We've got grit. Amen? And we thank you for it because I am a child of God. Say it with me. I am a child of God. Can I have every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment? Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com.